The following content is provided under a Creative Commons license. Your support will help MIT OpenCourseWare continue to offer high-quality educational resources for free. To make a donation or view additional materials from hundreds of MIT courses, visit MIT OpenCourseWare at ocw.mit.edu. So I want to talk about two things, maybe depending on the level of interest. We can talk a little bit about PSET 5 and the things that I think are weird in the coding part of PSET 5. And by the way, how many people started PSET 5? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Maybe we're not going to talk about PSET 5. You guys need to start early. You did. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can't punish you for everyone else. So PSET 5, and I can talk about graphs. I can talk about whatever didn't make sense in class, and I can talk about uh, background stuff for graphs. So how do people feel? Who wants to talk about the PSET that we haven't read? <laughs> Who wants to talk about graphs? <laughs> yeah, if you took 6042, uh, nothing here is new. I mean, nothing in the restation is new. We're going to take you to new heights of graph knowledge, and you'll be able to do many more cool things that you were able to do before. OK, so PSET. For people who started early, what, what uh, what's the gist of the coding assignment? So we have to speed up something. I'm not, I, the, when I ran the tests, it, I, don't, I mean, I, do I say what I got as my results? I mean, the time isn't on the PSET, so you can say what you got as a Pardon? time. The time isn't on the PSET, so you can say what you got as a time. Okay, well, so the slowest thing was like add for me. Okay. Well, you should look to see if add is a valid answer. Look at the questions and see if add is a valid answer. Okay. All right. Wait. Okay. The que it's not like what's the slowest function, right? There's more text there. So you should right. read the rest of the text and see if add makes sense as a valid answer. Sure. Okay. Okay. So what you're doing, big picture, is you have some processor that's not a real processor. And it can do arithmetic with bytes and 16-bit words. And we give you the basic operations. And then we give you a library for large number arithmetic. Because guess what? 16-byte uh, addition subtraction, not going to cut it for, uh, I don't know, science applications or for cryptography, what we want you to play with. So let's see, what are the basics oper basic operations that that processor can do? Front of the PSET. So even if you didn't get to the coding assignment, you can still tell me. OK, so plus, minus, multiply, divide, and mod. Let's start with these. So you have two primitives in that processor, right? You have bytes, which are basically 8-bit digits. So there's 200, the range is 0 to 256, and words. And the word is 16-bit from 0 to, to, the, to the 16 minus 1. If you care to know, this is 65535. OK, so if you take two bytes and add them together, what do you get? It's a trick question. You get a word. 
So the processor cannot do simple math on bytes. It, it converts them up to words, and all the math happens on words. Now, if you get two words and add them up together, what do you get? Mm. You'd wish. We're not that nice. Sorry, you just get a word. <laughs> at least at least nobody said a byte. I'm, I was like, please don't say byte. Please don't say byte. So you said carry bit. Why do, why do we care about the carry bit? What's the problem if you do addition this way? If you're going too high, if the, the highest bit is one of both of them, and it's like overflow kind of. Yep, so suppose we're trying to add 2 to the 16 minus 1 plus 2 to the 16 minus 1. By the way, does anyone remember hex notation, hexadecimal? OK, people who started the PSET remember. That's good. So it will be easy to write things in hex for the PSET. So if you try to add these numbers, you're going to get 1FFFE. And you can use the math here to see that this is more than a word. So you would like to know that. This thing overflows, right? You'd like to know that there's, well, uh, we don't give you that. So all you get is this. So addition happens modulo 2 to the 16. If you want to be able to detect overflow, what do you have to do? Uh, just test those bits. Test. OK, uh, that's one way of doing it. It would take quite a few instructions, though. So if you want to do overflow detection, the easiest way, I think, of doing it is to use this form. So suppose you have two bytes. This is the maximum value in a byte, right? 255, 2 to the 8 minus 1. If you have two bytes and you add them up together, you're going to get 1FE. Right? So it's just, just like the case here, except you have fewer Fs. OK, where's the carry here? Yep. So this guy here is the carry, and this guy is the low result. OK, does anyone know how these are called? If you have a word and you have two bytes, what's the first byte, what's the second byte? All right. So most significant byte, MSB, and least significant byte, LSB. So if you want to figure out your carries, then you should do your math this way. You're going to have byte 1 plus byte 2, add them together, and then you call LSB to get the byte result. And then you call MSB to get the carry. So this is addition. Everyone with me so far? By the way, are these numbers signed or unsigned? No negative numbers, right? So no support for negative numbers. Everything is going to be positive. And we're going to build everything we need off of positive numbers because they're easier to deal with. What if I have two words and I subtract them? What do I get? 
Okay. What if I have zero minus one? What do I get? Not quite. If you're not using sign? Oh, do you get like all oh, ones? One. All ones, okay. Yeah. Wait. So all ones would be this. F, 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 F. That, that's assuming that it's signed then. Well, then it's no, it, it's just, well, it'll overflow. overflow. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a really big number. Okay, so fancy CS, two's complement. For people who think in math mode, what is this? <laughs> it's minus one mod two to the sixteen. So remember when we we're doing modular arithmetic before to figure out a number's multiplicative inverse? And when we were doing rolling hashes, we didn't want negative numbers, we made them positive. So minus 1 mod to the 16 is 2 to the 16 minus 1, and it comes out to this value. So you get minus 1, it's just that you have to know your basis. OK, so we got addition and subtraction. Let's talk about multiplication. What do you do for multiplication? What can you multiply? Two bytes. Very good. Just two bytes. What do you get? A word. Thank you. So you multiply two bytes, you get a word. What if there's overflow? No, it's a trick question. There is no overflow. <laughs> there is no overflow. So two bytes, 2 to the 8 minus 1 times 2 to the 8 minus 1 is 2 to the 16 minus 2 to the 8 minus 2 to the 8 plus 1. So this is smaller than. You can say this safely without doing the, the arithmetic, right? So this is how much you can hold in a word. This is how much you can hold in a byte. So, so why do you minus one? Yeah, minus one. Well, there's a minus one here, there's a minus one here, but I can't find it here, so roughly this. But there is no overflow. But like, where'd you get the minus one from? Where do you get the... So this is how much you can hold in a byte. Mm -hmm. So a byte oh. has eight bits, right? Oh, those zero. From zero, zero to FF. Oh, okay. So this is two to the eight minus one. Okay, so multiplication, there is no overflow. I don't have to deal with that. You guys have to figure out how to deal with it. How about division? What can you divide? Words. Almost. Words. A word divided by a byte. Do we have, what do you get out of it? That would be nice. Nope. Words. Sorry, you get a byte. And if you do modulo, you also get a byte. What if there's overflow in the division? What happens? What would you expect to happen? We don't have any deaths, like floating point numbers. So we shouldn't get overflow, right? Um, how about 
2 to the 16 minus 1 divided by 1. So what do you get? Will this fit in a byte? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. You don't get a word. I, you, I promise you, you get a byte. So what will that byte be? No, wait. Oh, it's going to be modulus something. It's going to be that's, that's reasonable, right? Modulo to 56, because that's what it can carry. OK, what, if, uh, what about uh, modulo? What happens there if you get overflow? Um, so if you do a modulo, this is going to be at most 255, right? If you do modulo 255, the remainder is going to be between 0 and 254. Will that ever overflow byte? So no overflow. No need to worry about it. So addi word addition can overflow. Subtraction can overflow. Multiplication doesn't overflow, division overflows, modulo doesn't. Yes, it exceeds the space of the result. Because here, if you're adding two words, the result exceeds the space of a word, which is what you get. So, so is it just, in all cases, it's just Yep, pretty much. Exactly. So the reason you have to deal with this weird system is this is pretty much how Intel does their arithmetic. So if you look at old school 16-bit Intel processors, you have registers and you have exactly these operations. For newer processors, they're 32 bits, but then it's just you write more Fs on the board and you get the same thing. Is, is it most significant bit or most significant byte? Most significant byte. On a real processor, you have registers that are the size of a word, and then you can pull out the bytes in constant time. So what constants do we have? These are the, these are the operations. What constants do we have? Only two constants, 0 and 1. What if you want to get something bigger? What if you want to get 2? How do you get 2? Yep. What if you want to get uh, this number? Do that several times. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of painful to type, even if you copy paste. So <laughs> there's a method on Word called from bytes. And it takes an MSB and an LSB, and it gives you a word. So what would I give it? Let's give it a 1, and let's give it a 0. So this will get 100, zero, zero, and then minus 1. Yes? Okay. 
Okay, so Intel is pretty nice about constants, but some other processors aren't, so I figured, why not? Let's uh, get you acquainted to these kind of tricks too. Let's make the piece more interesting. All right, so any question on this fake processor that you'll have to code for? Here? Yeah, word from bytes. So word from bytes. A word is two bytes, mm -hmm. one next to the other. Mm -hmm. Give it the first byte, give it the second byte. In this case, the first byte is one, the second byte is zero. All right, so two bytes, a one and a zero. Yeah. How do you write this in hex? One, zero, zero. One byte, second byte. And then I subtract one. And I get this. OK. So while I erase the board, I want you guys to think of graph questions, because this is the other topic we're looking at today. So what was unclear about the lecture? What is unclear about graphs in general? Do you guys remember the handshaking lemma? What does it mean? How do you prove it? Things of that sort. So what do you guys want to cover today? Okay. That's, that's all it is, right? Twice so the wait, number of vertices? The, the number of handshakes no. that occurred are twice the number of edges. Yeah. Wait. You said the number of vertices as well. Wait. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. No, no vertices no, and no. edges are not related. No, 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 no. No. Yeah, think of a triangle, right? That's three edges, three vertices. Yeah. Which is like not two times, which is what you said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the number of degrees is twice the number of edges. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's start uh, with simple stuff. What's a graph? Nodes and edges. All right, fancy word for nodes. <laughs> Vertex, vertices and edges. How do I draw vertices? How do I draw edges? <laughs> Circles and lines. Possibly arrows. Possibly arrows, I like that. You want to get fancy. All right, so when do I draw an edge as a line? When do I draw it as an arrow? Which one's which? <laughs> cool. Let's draw this graph here. Yeah, it looks like a pretty boring graph. So is this graph connected or not? Okay, what's a connected graph? Any node can get to any other node following some path. There's a path from any node to any other node. Okay, so how do I make this unconnected uh, using the least amount of effort? It's a bit of a trick question. So guess, any guess is fine. What was the question again? How do I make this unconnected using the least amount of effort? On my behalf. <laughs> okay, I heard remove edges. I don't like erasing because I don't like the. So. Yep, so I like that answer out of the two I heard. 
So now it's not a connected graph. How many components, how many connected components does it have? Two and five. Well, one, one connected component, but there are two components, maybe. Okay, what's a connected component? So connected component is a bunch of vertices such that you can get from one vertex to all the other vertices. And that's true for, if the graph is undirected, that's true for any vertex in the set. And we also want that set to be maximal because if we say this is a connected component, it's not very useful. Noticing that this whole thing is a connected component, useful. So this is one component, this is the other component. Make sense? So we have the world. We have cities. We, you can bike from a city to another city, and that's it. No other route of transportation. How many connected components? Seven. OK, roughly seven. Why? Anyone lives in you know, the South Pole. OK, so what are these seven? Seven continents. OK. Let's say roughly seven. So this is what I wanted. I wanted some thinking. So if you try to get from a continent to another continent, presumably you'd go through some patch of C, because otherwise, why are they calling them continents? OK. Uh, does anyone want to give out another answer? Ask this in the previous section. And some people there gave me some very precise answers that are not continents. This is what I had in mind, by the way. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a good answer. Come on, guys, world. So two things, islands and Europe and Asia are connected. So you can go from one to the other, right? They're weird. Why are they separate com continents? No idea. The geography people might. Are there like walls between or something? Yeah. Sorry? The Euro Mountains. Okay, so it would be a pain to bike through that, but <laughs> presumably you can. If you have a robot that doesn't get tired or something, you can bike. Because it might fall off cliffs. Okay, so the answer, depending on how much geography you know, is somewhere between seven and ten thousand, I guess, or whatever the number of islands is. There are a lot of tiny islands somewhere, right? Anyway, it's between seven and a big number. So this, these are comp connected components in the world. What's the degree of A? What's the degree of D? Very good. Uh, let's make this. The degrees of H FGH, 2, 2, 2. The degree of C, 2. The degree of B, thank you. And the degree of E, OK, if you add up all these numbers together, what do you get? Eighteen. I can't do math, so I couldn't possibly have added all these numbers together, right? I used something else. 
what, uh, how many edges do I have in the graph? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. See a connection here? Yeah. So this is the handshaking lemma. That's all there is to it. So if you look at the degrees of a node, each edge adds one to two degrees. For instance, this edge adds one to C's degree and adds one to D's degree. If you're a math person and you write this up, you have to write uh, sums. And you have big sums of intimidating, using intimidating notation. So it's not as obvious. But this is really all there is to it. Each edge contributes one to two nodes degrees. So if you add up all the degrees, you're going to get two times the number of edges. So far, so good? OK, what if we have directed graphs? What if uh, I had this? Mm, how did I draw this? A, B, C, D, E, F. What is the degree of A? And not quite. Sorry, that was a trick question. A doesn't have a degree. So if you have if you have directed graphs, you don't have degrees. You have in degrees and out degrees. So now that I've said that, you know what they are, right? What's the out degree of A? Sometimes this is known as the degree of edges. So this is two. And what's the in degree of A? All right, so A has two edges going out, zero edges going in. How about D? What's the out degree of D? Come on, guys. <laughs> Don't scare me. <laughs> and what's the in degree of D? Two. Very good. So what's the equivalent of the handshaking lemma on oriented graphs? OK, what about them? Um, they're equal to uh, twice the number of vertices? Not no. quite. They're equal to? You had 80% of the answer. Oh. <laughs> so the sum of the in degrees and yeah. the sum of the out degrees. Wait, if you, if you add them up, you will get two times the number of edges. That is correct. But I want something more. Uh, yep, that's a bit, yeah. This is cooler, right? <laughs> so why is that? Does anyone see why that's the case? Each edge. Come on, guys. So what does each edge do? All right, so if I look at this edge here, this edge is going to contribute 1 to b's out degree and 1 to d's in degree. So each edge contributes 1 to an out degree and 1 to an in degree. So that means that total sum of out degrees equals the total sum of in degrees and 
both of them are E, and them combined to E. Sorry, I, I don't know why that didn't click to me right away. Okay, so the intuition behind this is that for every node, if you take an edge, you're going to get somewhere else. If, if, you're, if the sum of the out degrees was bigger, then you have a black hole somewhere. You go on an edge, you don't come back. Same for in degrees. Okay, how do we represent graphs? So sure, if we're, if we're drawing them on the board, that's what we do. But if you're in Python, what do you do? Oh, um, you can have a linked list right? oh. of each node having its neighbors as it's linked to it. OK, so I have one big linked list. Or mm -hmm. how does this work? Well, uh, I guess you have, like, you have like a starting point of some sort, a starting node. And then from that node, you can have um, its neighbors connected to it. As, like, Okay. It's not really so, I guess. <laughs> so I wasn't precise. That that is not trivial to build. By the time we build that, we're done with this first station. So <laughs> what you get is the vertices and the edges. And we want an easy representation that just looks at the vertices, build something, looks at the edges, build something. for that. So we have a dictionary and for each node you have the list, each vertex you have the list of vertices that are connected to it. So what's the list for A? B and C. Okay, what's the list for B? So in Python, this would be a dictionary, right? Mm -hmm. So how much total space does this take? Nodes. Number of? Nodes. Well, there's also the space for each of the though. OK, so if these were actual slots in an array, so if this would be an array, I would have the number of nodes. You're giving away the answer to my next question. So I have v slots here. So if this would be an array, it's order v just to store this. The thing in Python is that you have these dictionaries that are fancy hashes where they grow as you need them. So if, for example, you have 10,000 vertices, but you don't have any edge, your dictionary size is going to be order 1, because it only grows as you add edges to it. So, so this is assuming that I don't store empty lists. So if I have a stray node here, if I have a node i, say this is i, if I don't store anything, I don't have to pay for it. If I store an empty list here, then I have to pay for it. And there's an order v component that you mentioned. So like, let's say if there's a graph where everything is not connected, so there are like a bunch of vertices, then, then in that case it would be order v, right? It's order v if we store empty lists for the nodes that don't have edges. Right, and if none of the nodes have edges, like they're all unconnected. Yeah. On the other hand, if I don't store anything for the nodes that don't have edges, it's order one. Okay. okay so if we give like no edges, do we 
do like empty list or do we not store empty Depends on what you want. So if we store empty lists, you're going to have an order V cost here, but your code is going to be simpler, presumably, because you don't have to check if something is or isn't in the dictionary. OK, how about this stuff? What's the total size of this stuff here? OK, order E. How many elements do I have in here in total? in this thing here. So what's the sum of the length of the lists? Let's go for something else. All right, that, that's what I wanted to hear. So A lists its neighbors, right? The number of neighbors that A has is the degree of A. B lists its neighbors, so this is the degree of B. So if you sum up over all of them, what's the sum of all the degrees in the graph? 2e. We learned about this, right? Handshaking lemma, 2e. So what is the total cost for storing this data structure? So V plus E, assuming empty lists. OK, let's look at another data structure for storing things in a graph. So instead of using lists, let's use a matrix. A, B, C, D, E on top. A, B, C, D, E on the left. Let's pretend our graph is just that component over there, because otherwise it just gets big and there's no extra insight. So does anyone know how this is called? If I put numbers here, does anyone know what this is called? Uh, there's, there's a fancy name for it. It ends with matrix. OK. I don't think we taught it to you, so don't worry. The fancy name is adjacent. Maybe it's misspelled, but. Something that looks and sounds like this. Adjacency matrix. Misspelled? OK. I hope someone will help me. OK, so if this is an adjacency matrix, what should this element tell me between B and A? Yep. If it's an adjacency matrix, it would better tell me if they're adjacent. And they're adjacent if they have an edge between them. So for A and B, what does it happen to be? OK. A and A, what do we do? What's easier for the algorithm that you're trying to implement? So it doesn't really matter. We use ones most of the time, but it's sometimes it's easier to use a 0 than use a 0. You can get to A from A, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you'd use a 1. Sometimes, though, you don't want to in code. So between A and C, so someone dictate this to me. Or everyone dictate this to me so I know it makes sense. So A and C, is there an edge between them? Yes. What do I write? <laughs> a and D. A and D. 
BA BC BD BE OK CA CB CD CE All right. Now I'm going to use the bits you gave me to come to get this. See if I can do it correctly. And D. I'm not looking at the graph, by the way. I'm trusting you. So better give me the right answer. D. <laughs> and DD, one. OK, how many ones do I have in this? To see if you guys are thinking. So each edge contributes to two ones, right? And that accounts for most of the ones. So this is how many ones I have. How many zeros do I have? V squared minus two V plus one. So this is a non-boring way of asking how many elements I have in this matrix. This is what I was looking for. So V columns, right? V rows, V squared total elements. So how much memory do I need to store this? V squared what? If I want to store it as uh, compactly as possible. So I want to pack these as tight as I can. Yeah, so what do I store? V squared what? Oh, you mean units. Yeah, what's the unit? Oh, one bit. <laughs> All right, so V squared? Bits. Bits. <laughs> Whereas this is V plus E words, because you have to store pointers everywhere here. So sometimes if your graph is really dense, you might prefer this representation. Let me see how much time do I have. Oh, plenty of time. Who remembers breadth for a search? Yes. Basically, you just start some node and you just check how it's Neighbors and check all those neighbors. And yeah. <laughs> all right. So breadth for search, we have a graph. What did I draw there? A, B, U. So suppose this is our graph, and I do a breadth first search starting at A. How does that work? So I start out with a list of the nodes that I'm going to visit. I initialize it with A, because this is the only node that I know about. What, do, what happens next? All right, so I take out of the list the first thing that I can. This is my current node. You said I visit B and C because they're the neighbors, right? 
So I took A out of the list. So A was definitely visited. And I'm visiting B and C. What do I do when I visit them? Put them in a list. So this, sorry, this means I discovered them, and I'm going to visit them later. So I discovered them. I know of their existence. What happens next? OK, so B gets out of the list. And what do I do? All right, so his neighbors are A, D, and E. What now? If they have an artifact in that list, then add them otherwise. OK, it was already visited. D and E weren't. So D and E, then what happens? Any neighbors that I haven't seen? Nope. Then? E and? OK. And then? I guess you could go to F, but it's not connected to anything. But I mean, well, how did you get to A then, right? Like so A is the first node. I started with A because I said I'm doing a breadth first search starting from A. Okay, well, then you so BFS starts from somewhere. A BFS as a source. And we'll see why that matters in a bit. So do I ever get to CF? No. Nope. So if I start at A, what are the nodes that I visit and what are the nodes that I don't visit? Well, you visit all the ones in the connected graph. All right, in the connected component. Yeah. So the whole graph can be connected or not connected. So the nodes that I visit are the nodes in A's connected component. Because by definition, those are the nodes that I can reach from A. So if I have many connected components and I use BFS starting from one node, I might not visit the entire graph. How do I keep track of what node I've discovered and I haven't discovered? So what data structure do I use for these smiley faces? For, so for the smiley faces. For this thing, I probably want a queue. We teach you something simpler, but most of the time when you write the code, you actually use a queue. But what do I want for the smiley faces? So when I pull a node out, say I pulled out B, and I see A, D, E, and I want to know that I visited A and I didn't visit D and E. You guys remember that we didn't visit D and E, right, by the time we got to? OK. So I want to be able to check whether I visited a node or not really fast. So what data structure should I use for the smileys? A hash table. Cool. What's a hash table in Python? Dictionary. All right. So this is going to be a scene, which is a dictionary, and it maps vertices to maybe true. Yep. Yeah, Python has a set, right? So yeah, you can use that. OK, so this needs, uh, the smileys need to be some sort of smiley. It uh, needs to be some sort of uh, dictionary. So given that, and assuming that this is a queue that we can uh, extract and insert from in constant time, what's the running time of BFS? Let's make life easy. Let's assume the graph is connected. So let's assume this doesn't exist. 
So BFS, what's the running time? So you visit every node once, so it's at least V. That's a start. Now what do you do when you visit the node? Check out all the neighbors, right? So given the node, you have to go to the data structure that you have that's either this or this, and you have to get a list of neighbors. If I have this data structure, how fast do I get the list of neighbors for a node? Order degree. Yep, order of the degree of the node. That's good. How about this data structure? Yep. So in this data structure, for example, C only has three edges coming, two edges coming out of it, sorry, because this is off. But I have to go through the entire line in the matrix to see where I have my zeros and where I have my ones. So in order to list the neighbors, here this is straight up order V, whereas this is order of the degree of the node, degree of the node that I'm looking for. So for this, where it's nice and simple order v, what's the total running time? <laughs> so for each node, I have to. Okay. So we're up to v squared already. And what else do we need to do? Anything that we need to do on a node is order v. So v squared is going to be the total running time. That's it. So if we use adjacency list, an adjacency matrix, sorry, we get order of v squared as the total running time. What about if we use lists? What's the running time? I'll give you a hint. You have to use amortized analysis. Shivers anyone? So we know it's order v because we're going to visit every node. And you guys didn't see what I was going to do. Right here. <laughs> okay, so for every node, I go through the neighbors and I do something to them. Right? I check if they're in scene, and if not, I add them and I add them to the list. So, so for every node, the work is? Yep. So if I look at all the nodes? Yep. So for every node, I have to look at its neighbors, and I have to see which neighbors are in scene. And for the neighbors that are not in scene, I have to add them to my queue. So checking if a neighbor is in scene or not, order one. Adding it to the queue, order one. So the total work for a node is order of neighbors because of the adjacency list, not matrix. Uh, if I look at the entire graph, here I can't do a local analysis like I did before. If I look at the entire graph and I look at all the nodes slash vertices, then the total work is the sum of their degrees. For each node is degree, total work, sum of the degrees. And I have that nice handshaking lemma that says that the sum of the degrees is 2e, so order e. So total running time v plus e. OK, can I say the running time is order e? No Vs? Is it?
Okay, so it's possible that I have more vertices than edges. I agree with that, but do I do anything to the vertices that I haven't seen? So th this is subtle. The difference between this and this is a matter of how you implement everything. In CLRS, they assume that this scene is an array. So all their nodes have numbers from 1 to v. So then they initialize an array, everything is false, and then they set the true elements. In Python, we can use a dictionary and not initialize it with anything. So if you do it that way in Python, if you code carefully, you can get to order e, because you don't, you, the parts of the graph that you don't discover, you don't have to pay for them. If you look at CLRS code, it's definitely v plus e. So the, the difference between this and this, it's, it depends on the code. What's the point of BFS, by the way? Why, why do we care? What does it give us? From shortest path from point. Okay, so it gives me the shortest path from the node that I'm starting the BFS from. So only from this node. So it's going to give me, if I start my BFS at A, it's going to give me the length of the shortest path from A to which node? All the nodes. Yeah. All the nodes that are visited by BFS are reachable and we have a path from them. How do we, how do we compute this distance? Let's see. So what's the distance from A to A? Zero. When I start from A and I see that its neighbors are B and C, what's the distance from A to B and from A to C? Okay, now I look at B. What's the distance between A and A? A is B's neighbor. A and A. Yeah, so I have three neighbors. B has three neighbors, A, D, and E. So I care about the distances between A and A, D, E. Distance AA, distance AD, distance AE. So this one's zero. How about the distances between A and D and A and E? They're two. So the way I would compute this distance, these distances is I start with A being zero, the distance from A to A is zero. And then when I look at the node, when I discover the neighbors, all the neighbors that don't have smiley faces on them get the node's distance plus one. Because you can get to them by getting at the current node and then traversing an edge. When you do that, it's important that you don't update the distances of the nodes that have smiley faces. Because if you do, you're going to say that the distance from A to A is two. And all hell breaks loose from there. If I don't, if I forget the fact that it has a smiley face. So if I go through all of B's neighbors, and I say the distance from A to B is 1. Mm -hmm. So the distance from A to all of B's neighbors has to be 2. That would be wrong. A to all of B's. B's neighbors. B's neighbors. Yeah, yep. okay. OK. So the smileys tell me which, uh, which vertices I've already seen, and I've already presumably computed distances for them. So we don't want to update those. 
OK, this is BFS in essence. Uh, one question. Facebook and Twitter, which one's directed, which one's undirected? Facebook is undirected. OK, Facebook. Undirected. Which? Why is it undirected? Okay. So. Okay. So this is Twitter, right? Yeah. Twitter. Directed because of follows. Has anyone used Facebook recently? Did you guys see there's a new option? Um, that is uh, subscribers. Oh yeah. Okay, so how do subscribers work? You subscribe. It's like Google Plus. <laughs> okay, directed or undirected? If I subscribe to you, do you directed. have to subscribe to me? So which one is it? Facebook is kind of directed now, because you can unsubscribe to people. Is it? So Facebook has two graphs in it. Mm -hmm. They happen to have the same vertices. The people are the vertices in both graphs. But the friends relationship defines an undirected graph. The subscribers relationship defines a directed graph. The graphs are completely different. And there are two graphs. That's the right way to reason about them. That's, that's why it was slightly tricky. OK, uh, can someone think of a cool way to use BFS on Facebook? It's networks, right? Like figuring out how many people are in the first degree or second degree. OK. MySpace was really into that. LinkedIn also does that, right? So how many people are your friends? How many people are your friends' friends? So on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Okay, now suppose you want to get to someone in Facebook and you don't know them directly, they're not your friends. Presumably you want to get to them uh, through the minimum amount of effort. So you want to see what's the, do you have a friend that knows them? If not, do you have a friend that knows a friend that knows them? Do you have a friend that knows a friend that knows a friend that knows them? So on and so forth. So BFS will give you that minimum path. Okay, do graphs make sense? So by the way, BFS on Facebook is just the beginning of a ton of cool things you can do with graph algorithms. 